Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Whitman. I am with Dan Vopone, Emily, hold it together, and <laughs> Emily Cannell. Uh, Emily, I'm starting this with a pop quiz for you. Okay. Uh, the quiz question is, who said this quote? Okay. Uh, they put, this is about the Sixers. They put their socks on one at a time, just like us, unless they're doing something tricky, putting two socks on, but I don't think so. Who said that? Um, I'm going to say that it's the same person who said something along the lines of, it doesn't matter how tall they are. Oof. It matters what ticks. That would be one Scott Brooks. There you go. Okay. Well done. Well wow. Done. Finally, a quote I would have actually known, and it goes that way. I was so excited you were going to ask Emily because she always knows the quotes, and I never know them, but I knew that one. So I knew that you knew that one because you retweeted it, I think. Oh, so that's right. I knew yeah. that I couldn't ask you about it. Right. Um, let me see. I th thought I had another. Oh, okay. Um, this is a quiz question for Dan. Uh, oh, damn it. People love this sort of intro. Uh, who does Tobias Harris credit as his two sparring partners on the Sixers? This was, um, I think, Paul Reed and Rajon Tucker. Ding, ding, ding. Well done. Wow, I never well, did this. This is great. Done. You did great. All right, so uh, the Sixers playoff run has begun. Sixers beat Washington today 125 to 118. Um, I'd love to get your reactions. Emily, you are, uh, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Have I sniffed yet? Trying to keep track of that too. Um, you are uh, on vacation. So what were you able to keep up with from the game today? So, yeah, I didn't get to watch any of the game. I was in the car for the first, like, quarter or so. So I listened to it on the radio, and I was lucky enough to be able to listen to Tom McGinnis. So that was great. Um, and then I kept track of the rest of it from my dad texting me uh, Twitter and the scoring, like, scores on my phone. Got it. Um, Dan, you were able to watch, I believe. Uh, I watched live as well. I just want to get your overall sort of reaction to the game itself, and then we can go sort of piece by piece as to like some of the bigger stuff. But what what what's your main takeaway? One game in, Sixers are one or no? Yeah, I mean, player of the game was Tobias, right? He was best. I think we've seen him in a Sixers uniform, best that I can remember, um, especially early. Um, carried them through Joel's foul trouble. So, you know, I thought there were times when things didn't look great. Um, but a playoff win is, is a playoff win. And I think that overall, the Sixers, besides, you know, a couple of bad stretches, which, you know, you can kind of expect when you've been off for a week and it's your first playoff game, I thought they looked good. So I, I think it was a nice win. I agree. Um, one of my big takeaways is that Washington is not good. They're not a good team. Like They're not. They're really not. They're really not good. Uh, they have, you know, Bradley Beal is like one of the hardest guys to guard in the league. So that's. I feel like makes them a little bit scarier, not necessarily just more fun to watch from a Sixers perspective. Like they have interesting guys. They have Beal and Westbrook and Westbrook is sort of always an experience one way or the other. Um, yeah. I, I, I think the Sixers should roll them pretty easily. Like, I don't think that 
maybe they'll sleep off through a game. And this is like famous last words, of course, but like, I feel like the Sixers should make pretty quick work of, of Washington. Uh, you mentioned Tobias. Um, what do you think led to this sort of game? Like to me, Washington is a smaller team as it is, you know, like they don't, they can't match the Sixers size between Simmons and Bede and Harris. Um, and I think Tobias does like a great job of uh, overcoming that in, in a lot of situations. So, uh, he was huge, and uh, the I want to ask you about Doc Rivers challenging because Doc has sort of an aversion, Emily. Like Doc has an aversion to challenging at certain times, and I think Derek Bodner tweeted about it in the first half. But like, there's no more possibly useful uh, way to deploy a challenge than for Doc to challenge a foul on Embiid, which if it gets overturned you get like your most impactful player by a mile out there longer. What do you think it is with Doc and challenges? Because uh, that sort of came up today, especially in the first half. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think there's some type of strange um, like idea that you should save your challenges for the end of the game in case you get into a situation, which I guess there's some logic to that. But when these I I mean I watched the videos like that third foul call on Embiid was really 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 bad like there's no way that that wouldn't I mean I'm sure maybe there's a way that wouldn't have wouldn't have got overturned but that one was really bad and I think had he challenged it it would have been a successful challenge but I think that it goes back to like this idea that you need to save them for the end if you're like in a tight spot and then you're like sol if you don't have any challenges left so. Dan, what about you? Because this has sort of been a pattern uh, throughout the year that Doc has not challenged during times when it seems like, you know, like in football, I know a lot of times they say like it's in the booth, like the booth is telling, you know, Doug Peterson at the time, like challenge or don't challenge because they're watching the replays. What do you think? Obviously, they don't have that same luxury uh, in the NBA, but what do you think? I mean, I think there's there's definitely like if I had to just explain it. I would say that's definitely what Emily said, which is just that, you know, Doc believes that he should save him to the end of the game. Um, there are a couple of reasons I think that's really stupid. Um, one is just that, like, the idea that, you know, two points at the end of the game, yeah, I guess it could be more important. You have less time. There's going to be a lot of swings throughout the game. So there's something to that. But that's not the only factor involved. Like, you already mentioned, you buy an extra 10 minutes to Joel, that's way more important than, than – two points at, at any point in the game, because that's, you know, I think they were, I don't know what it ended up being, but it was like deep in the fourth. I, I checked and I didn't check after, but they were like plus 18 with him on the floor and they were only a five, like, and, and we've seen this forever because he's so good. Um, I think that saving it for the end is even if you don't have one player who's far and away your best player, still pretty dumb. A lot of times teams will only have say one time out at the end of the game. And we've seen it throughout this NBA season where, you know, a team challenges because they save their challenge to the end for, and they say, oh, why not? You know, someone, you know, got fouled with, say someone got fouled with four seconds left and it was a tie game. They're going to go to the line and the coach challenges it because what the hell, maybe it gets overturned because um, no one ever thought they fouled anybody. So, you know, the player saying I didn't foul him, the coach challenges it. It's unsuccessful. They hit the two foul shots and now you can't even advance the ball. You lost your, you lost your last time out. So I don't even think it makes sense to save it till the end when you only have one timeout left. This way, if you use it early, you can at least better manage your timeouts. And especially when you have a chance to keep your best player on the floor, you do it. So I don't understand 
like I get, you know, even if I guess the biggest possible swing is a charge when it should have been an N1. And I even get not using it then. But the thing you save it for is to keep your best player in the game, not for anything else. So I completely do not understand it. I, I, I think that Emily's explanation is what's going through Doc's head. But and I'm not saying that, that Emily would have done this. I know she wouldn't have. But I don't know why Doc would do it. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I agree. I think Emily would have challenged those fouls. Um, I know she would have. Uh, to, I would have challenged them off. <laughs> um, Doc, after the game, I believe, basically said, like, two of those three fouls he thought were fouls. Like, he looked up at the Jumbotron and he thought they were fouls. To me, though, when you get to three in the first half for Joel, just challenge it. Like, maybe, maybe like, there will be something there that you weren't able to see from the sideline, you know, who knows? I'm looking at the uh, box score. Thanks to our friends at ESPN for putting this up. Uh, special for us. Um, Tobias ha- played 37 minutes, had 37 points on 29 shots. Joel had 30 points uh, on, in 30 minutes. Uh, game high plus 20. Uh, ben, I don't know if we need every single game to like for the Sixers internet to have like a civil war over every Ben stat line, like on both sides. I, I think we can probably cool it on both of those. And like, uh, you know, so he had a game, normal game. <laughs> he had a Well, you know, it's so funny. Like I thought that he was passing well and rebounding well and playing good defense. But he had 15 rebounds and 15 assists to two turnovers. It's unbelievable. Um, I will say I would much rather have Ben Simmons stat line from today than Anthony Davis's. So yeah, Davis was terrible. He was terrible. Um, he had 12 points, but he's terrible everywhere else. So, whatever. Um, yeah, so basically, Ben ends with six points. He missed all six free throws, two of which were in crunch time. Not good. Prefer those babies go in. Uh, <laughs> that's just me. I'll let you guys go. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought I, I really don't think we need to do this with Ben. Like, I, I sort of think this will all come to a head, like, it, like honestly, in the Eastern Conference Finals, because – I mean, if it happens before that, it sort of means that things really went to shit, uh, which I don't expect. So I feel like we can table all of this until, like, the most difficult series. And, like, for now, a game like that from Ben is totally fine, especially with the team they're playing and with the way the other guys are going. Emily, just from, like, you know, watching highlights or the box score, like, is that basically where you're at in terms of, like, Ben in this particular series? Yeah, I... I mean, looking at the stat, I would love if he would just, like, score in double digits. That would be cool. Make the foul shots. But that's all I really need. Like, just make – if you make the foul shots, make 60% of the foul shots, I'm happy. So, that's the worst part. That's, like, the biggest strike for me on the Ben stat line is the 0 for 6 on the line. Me too. Me too. I, like, if I were to quibble, it would be that he just didn't get any of those to go in. And, you yeah. Know, he took nine like, shots Dwight like made that. some foul shots. Like, come on. Dwight Mason foul shots. Uh, Dan, where are you at with sort of Ben in this context of this series and uh, tonight's game or today's game uh, in particular? Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Ben had a had a fine game. Um, he, you know, Beal had thirty three, but I think Ben did guard him well. Um, I think this is the kind of um, series that really plays into Ben well more so than maybe a Nets series, although we haven't seen that yet. Um, just guessing, you know we saw him really shut down the Mavericks because he could really take out Luca. Um, and obviously they're a team with one guy who you have to not let beat you on offense. And uh, depending on how you feel about Westbrook, it 
personally doesn't really scare me. I think you just you have to do your best to limit Beal. He did a great job end of game. Beal couldn't get shots off a couple of times at the end of the game. Um, and I thought Ben deserves credit for that. He passed really well tonight. I think that a lot of times when you have the ball the whole game um, and you don't take a ton of shots, you're eventually going to get a lot of assists anyway. But I, I did think he passed well, even besides that, right? Like he's going to get assists a lot of times just because he has the ball and he's not shooting and someone's going to shoot after he passes to them. But he did make some nice passes. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that – and he, he rebounded well. Like 15 rebounds, those weren't like stat patty, just fell to him right. rebounds. He had a couple of really nice rebounds. Um, he had eight offensive rebounds, which is pretty awesome. Um, I love seeing all those things from him. It's the normal – I mean, 0 for 6 from the foul line. He's a bad foul shooter. He's not that bad. I don't remember even seeing him do that. If he did this in a series where every game is going to be more important than this one – and games will be closer, that'd be completely unacceptable. Not that it was acceptable tonight, but it would be, I'd be angry. Um, that yeah. could lose your game. Um, but hopefully got it out of his system. He's been shooting him terribly, but hopefully hopefully something changes. I mean, six points, he he just didn't shoot the ball well. Like It's not one of those games where, I shouldn't say shoot, but he didn't score well. But it's not one of the games where he didn't, you know, even look to score, right? He took nine shots, which for him, I think is acceptable. Um, and he got to the line six times. He missed them all. If he'd gone six for six and five for nine, we're looking at 16 points and 15 rebounds and 15 assists. So, I mean, I think that Ben is someone I've been critical of. I'm not going to be super critical of this game, but you know, when it comes to a more important game, six points and oh, six from the line, as well as he's doing everything else, will not be acceptable. So, hopefully you know, this was just a down game. I don't expect this to be his average game or anything. So that's basically where I'm at on it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I think for me, it just comes down to like against contenders, everybody basically has to play well of the most important guys. So, uh, and this wasn't even a game where Ben played poorly. Anyway, uh, I think that, that, that pretty much sums it up in terms of how they defended Westbrook and Beal. I was pleased to see that doc, um, started the game and play, basically played most of the game with the starters with uh, Simmons on Beal and with Danny Green on Westbrook, which I think is the right move. Um, Beal runs around. He's like a, he's a star, but he also runs off a bunch of his screens. And I think that's hard for Danny Green. And during the regular season, uh, I think that Doc kept Simmons off of him so that he could guard Westbrook and basically play center field. But in this sort of situation in the playoffs, I'm glad that that sort of panned out the way it did. Beal basically got his. He ended up with 33. Uh, Westbrook had 16. Both of them had six turnovers apiece. Um, what did you think about the way they defended those two guys, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the right idea to have Ben on Beal. Beal played well. Beal's hard to guard. Um, it's a big reason that, um, you know, I think that defense is very important, but also star scoring is the most important thing. And we've, you know, had this discussion Um that, you know, stars are going to get their points for the most part. And I thought Ben played good defense and Beal scored 33 because that is just kind of what stars do. We saw it before. I mean, Beal was 13 and 23. He, he shot the ball fine. Um, he, he he shook off some good defense a lot of times. We, we saw, I mean, the, the worst example is Kawhi in that series was just like un, unstoppable with great defense on him. So I mean, guys are going to do that. Westbrook. Oh my gosh. Westbrook really doesn't, doesn't scare me a ton. He had 16 points. I thought that he got the better of Danny green a couple of times, especially in the first half and Danny green early on, I thought really didn't look too good defensively. 
play better in the second half. Westbrook, anytime he shoots a banker, is hilarious. I've seen him make them in other games, and it still looks bad. And I think he was 0 for 3 on attempted bank shots tonight, and one of them missed by about, you know, it was probably a foot too high off the glass. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It, yeah. It was yeah. nowhere near the rim. It was it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. I was laughing. Um, I, th- I think that, you know, this is basically what they'll do. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, Green played better on in the second half, like I said. So I, that's encouraging going forward. And Bill's going to get his points, but Ben did fine on him. Bill would score more if they tried to put Green on him. I think Daniel Olinger wrote about that this week and, and really went through it, uh, went through, you know, how the Sixers have done depending on who's guarding Beal. Uh, and, and his main takeaway, rightly so, is that just put Simmons on him. So I, I'm fine with how they handled it. Um, I wanted to see what you guys thought of the rotation tonight that Doc had out there. Uh, the guys that played off the bench were Dwight Howard, played 18 minutes with uh, Joel getting in foul trouble. That's a little more than uh, I think he usually will play uh, in a close game, especially. Uh, George Hill played 18 minutes. George Hill was really good in this game uh, for, I think, uh, sort of the first time in a little while offensively. He had 11 points on five of eight shooting. Matisse played 14 minutes. Shake played 10 minutes. Corkmaz uh, played in the first half and then missed three threes, and then Doc played Maxi instead of him in the second half. I like that. I really like how Doc plays the hot hand off the bench and just, like, won't keep guys out there if they don't have it. And Corkmaz, if he's not making shots, there's nothing he gives you. Um, Emily, what do you think about that sort of, you know, the switch from Corkmaz to – uh, Tyrese, and then just overall, you know, the amount that the bench played and the guys that were chosen to play. Yeah, I, it was really deep, especially in the first quarter. I think Doc went like 10 people in the first quarter, something crazy like that. Um, Furkan shot wasn't going in. It, I kept, I heard him take at least like two on the, on the broadcast before I got out of the car and it was like, nope, nope. So if he doesn't have a hot hand, then I'm happy to have Maxi in the game. Um, so I like that really feel blessed that we didn't see any Mike Scott playoff minutes today. That was something that all three of us were worried about and it didn't happen. It says even with the deep rotation, kept him on the bench. So that was good. We did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't quibble with things when we, when we won the game, I don't, I feel like it was a good, it's a playoff win. We're up one zero in the series. We still feel confident. It's like, I don't want to like, picnic basically yeah there were maybe a couple minutes where it was all bench and uh definitely there was Tobias on the bench out there uh it's sort of impossible to avoid a few Simmons and Dwight minutes because Simmons is going to play more minutes than Joel um basically in this series I I don't have a problem with him going 11 deep especially if it's like basically nine deep playing like real minutes and then a couple guys for the rest of us. Dan, what do you think about the rotation tonight? Yeah, I agree with Emily that my biggest takeaway is I'm glad Mike Scott didn't get in, even though they went 11 deep. Um, I think that, you know, a point Allah made midweek when we talked to him, which was that, you know, there's like 11 guys who basically, you know, are, are playable in the playoffs on this team, which is crazy. It was like six just two years ago. Um, and you know, those guys in a normal game, you probably won't see all 11. Uh, we did tonight, but, but I'm fine with any of them being in. Uh, I don't think that you can take away too many rotation. I guess you can't have too many rotation takeaways from, from, from today is what I'm trying to say. Um, 
And, you know, my biggest one, like I said, is just that this got in play. I think that uh, the rotation next game won't look like what it looked like this game because Joel isn't usually in foul trouble and really shouldn't have been this game. That was kind of BS. Um, and then especially, I think, in a Brooklyn series, it's looking nothing like this because Doc's – I mean, obviously he would never come out and say this, but Doc's going into this series thinking, you know, we can get away playing Joel less. We can get away with playing Ben less. Um, I don't expect this series to go to seven. Right. This, I expect this to be a four, maybe five game series, knock on wood. So, you know, in a game seven, it's going to look even different than that. Like if you imagine that that the Raptors game seven where Joel played 45 minutes and, you know, it, 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 I expect Ben to play 48 minutes in a game seven because I think he can. He's in great shape. But he doesn't. Sometimes we've seen him get tired, but more often than not, I feel like he can play a ton and not get tired which is a great skill to have, especially in a tight series when, when they want him on the floor as much as possible. So I think that, you know, the most we could even take away from even the next game, if it's normal is, is the rotation for maybe this round, next round. And even today was, was too weird to, to take that away, but just no Mike Scott was a good sign. Um, anything else from this game in particular, there were some really great, and fun sequences uh, that, uh, you know, like a defensive stop that went down the other way and Seth Curry hit a giant three. Uh, Seth Curry, who I think got hit in the luggage at one point, which was rough, not good, um, but I'm glad he's all right. Um, anything else from this game, from your perspective, Emily? Um, not too much. I just want to say that, Sometimes it's really fun to listen to the game on the radio. As long as it's the home broadcast, not the away one, that's terrible. Um, but Tom McGinnis is so funny on the broadcast. Like we were in the car during the first quarter and Russell Westbrook like had this like errant pass and basically like passed the ball to Scott Brooks. And Tom McGinnis was like, and Westbrook has lost control. He passed the ball to Brooks. That's his coach. Like he just <laughs> really clarify. And I was like cackling in the car. It was so enjoyable. So I'm just going to give a plug to, to Tom McGinnis. He does a great job. And if you ever are missing a game, don't forget about the radio because it's really fun to listen to. I, I would love to have Tom on here. So I think we'll try to do what we can to get him over here. Oh, another takeaway I had, Bertan's absolute lock to hit every shot he takes against the Sixers like he was awful in these playing games and there was just no way he wasn't going to heat up against us Dan do you have anything else from this game uh yeah two quick things um also love Tom McGinnis by the way I feel like you missed nothing watching on the radio he's awesome or listening on the radio um uh one uh Dwight was not good today he had a couple you know and ones which were nice I he only had four rebounds in 18 minutes for Dwight. That's just horrible. Um, I don't expect that to continue. I love Dwight. I've not been shy about that. I thought he was bad today. I uh, need to see more from him, especially, you know, I think that it's important that he can be playable for this team. I think it's, it is too hard to not have a backup, a true five as a backup option. You know, you can get away with it sometimes but not all the time. I think it's, it's important that he turns that around. I hope he does. Um, and just the other thing we talked about, Tobias was great, but it's unbelievable. He will never score 40 points. It's crazy. He'll, he'll be, <laughs> he'll average 20, but he cannot hit 40. His career high is 39. He had 37 today, but he had 28 at half. He ran out of gas towards the end of the game. And 
it's just unreal. Ben scored 42 this year. Ben Simmons, who had six points today, and everyone's saying he had a good game, had 42 points this year, and Tobias can't crack 40. Tobias, one of our, our second-best scorer. It's unreal. I, 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 this isn't even a complaint. He had a great game. He had a really good game. This isn't even a complaint. I just can't believe it. I can't believe he didn't get there. I thought today would be the day. And I will say, I think that in the game that Ben had 42 against Utah, Tobias had like 36. And I was like, yeah, he had, he did have mid-30s or high-30s. They're going to have two guys with 40. Uh, Tobias was great. Yeah, I think, you know, they they hadn't played in a week. So I wonder if there was some like getting their legs back under them, especially after a uh, season that everything was so condensed until this last week when they got a rest, which I'm definitely great that they had that rest. But I, I expected some sort of growing pains as they got back into it. Uh, today but overall solid win uh up 1-0 and uh, i'm sure they'll try to take care of business at home uh and and the stadium seemed great it just it seemed pretty electric in there for you know half capacity and uh i'm sure it'll only get better do you guys know when it can open they're planning on opening up to full capacity i think it's june 11th wow okay so that that would probably line up with like the second round so uh, mm-hmm. we'll have to see about that. Uh, we had a listener question that we were not able to get to that uh, we'll have to address here. This is from Forever uh, E Creator, who is a listener. Thank you for listening. Uh, question for us. Uh, are there any past NBA champs or recent contenders that come to mind that remind you of the Sixers? Just wondering if there are any markers out there that help tell us how far our Sixers can go. I don't, I wasn't able to really think of one. I mean, you think of like a Shaq team, you know, centered around a big man who's like great on both ends of the court. But the problem with those is that they had like a Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, you know, whenever they won titles. Uh, Dan, were you able to figure anything out or find anything in this way for a comparison to the Sixers? Not really. I, I thought about it. Um, in some sense, every team is unique because I think star players are often pretty unique. I think that's especially true for the Sixers. I mean, of anyone I've seen, which is, I mean, I really don't remember Shaq winning winning titles as like four when that happened. Um, I can't, and, and the, the league is so different from that anyway that I think it almost wouldn't matter. Um, I, I really, I don't have any Joel comparison. I certainly don't have a bank comparison. I, I think that every bank comparison people come up with is terrible and he's nothing like any of those players. Um, he's just, he's weird. He's, he's a good player. He's weird. Um, and people like to put people in boxes. I, I think that Ben is just Ben. Um, if people compare him to like LeBron, Magic, Draymond, I don't think he's anything like any of them, but yeah. Um, so in that sense, it's weird. It's, it's hard. Um, there's been, I was looking cause I was going to say, you know, they brought in a new coach. They brought in a new GM. And there's been quite a few teams who have won with, like, a new coach in their first year. The Lakers did it last year, right? I think that was Vogel's first year. So I lose first year, too. Right, right. All the, all the LeBron picks. Yeah, right. Um, but but so I, I think that because there's so many instances of those, you can't say, oh, that's, like, this one team. Um, I think they're they're just unique. And that's that's basically where I'm at. There's, they're what they can do also, like, even like I think the question was in the context of like getting an idea for what their ceiling is. Like, I think what, what they do this year 
would not be considered a ceiling for them either, right? Like I could either I could easily see them. Maybe Brooklyn stays healthy and Brooklyn beats the Sixers, and maybe it's not even that close of a series. But then next year, Brooklyn's not healthy, or someone just gets old on that team, right? Like super teams always feel like they're la- the last forever, but they don't, right? The, I mean, the Warriors are now dealing with incessant injuries and missed the playoffs for two straight years. So um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say what they'll do this year. And and I certainly think what they do this year is not a cap on what they can do. I think we just kind of have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, I think was Nick Nurse, was that his first year uh, in Toronto too? I think it was. I think uh, fired, yes, it was. But it's the weird Dwayne thing Casey. is I feel like all these teams are bringing in are bringing in new players too. Like the Lakers brought in Davis and 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 now the the Raptors brought in Kawhi at that time. So in that sense, the Sixers aren't really like them either. Yeah. Um, Emily, what about you? Is there anything uh, – is there a comparison that you can think of, like a either recent or historical comparison to this Sixers team and how far they might be able to go? Yeah, I can't, like, can't really think of anyone. I know this is not a great answer and probably not what um, our listener was looking for. But like Dan said, I think they're a really unique team. And But I don't know that comparing them to another team – like necessitates what their ceiling is. Like, I think their ceiling is a, is an NBA title, right? Like, I think we all think that they could do it. There is, this is the best chance that we've seen them to have in, you know, the past since they got together and Joel's been healthy and Ben's been healthy. Um, This is the first time we've like got them all in the playoffs. So I think if that wasn't the ceiling, then like, what are we doing here? You know? So yeah, and and even more broadly, like teams that are high seeds that are led by top three MVP candidates generally have a chance to win the title. So, like that's uh, it's a more broad and less like one to one comparison, but like that sort of formula is there with like great an elite defense and an MVP candidate. Dan, did you have something? Yeah, I mean this is just kind of a side note, but. Um... And this is nothing against the question. I think it's like an interesting question. It's an interesting discussion point. But I kind of take issue issue with the term ceiling in general, right? I think it's it's kind of like a video game term that's basically nonsense when you're talking about real players. Like just because someone reminds you of another player doesn't mean that's their their ceiling, right? Like Markel reminded people of James Harden. Like no one's like Markel's not James Harden. And players, you know, someone could remind you of a of a lesser player than James Harden right. and that doesn't mean they won't be better than Markel right I think it's nonsense that doesn't mean that they that Markel at his best is better than this player at his best right like like I said people want to put guys in boxes and I mean I do it too I'm not saying I'm immune to this I think it's like it's easy it's a nice way to think about things but it's, it's really nonsense when it comes to what a player or team can actually do like you know, I could I could make some kind of argument that that every wing who can dribble and is strong reminds me of LeBron in some way, and I could call that the ceiling. Uh-huh. But that doesn't yeah. really mean anything, and I, I think it's 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 too hard to look at things that way. You're saying dare to dream, really? If you'd like, but you you might be setting yourself up for a letdown if you compare your favorite player to LeBron. But that's on you. That on me. Don't blame it on me. It's on um, you. Yep. Sniff made it on the podcast. I've been muting them. The Brooklyn Nets uh, put out a tweet that I think is just really great. Uh, it says the beard, this is from three days ago, uh, and Brooklyn played, played one day ago. The beard is coming through. 
James Harden will cover the cost of half of your ticket for games one and two when you use code Harden. Um, I just have to say how amazing that is because the Nets are like the prohibitive favorite to win the title this year in two months. I didn't know about that. That's amazing. They have three stars. They have three, like, no doubt about it, top 15 guys, probably two top seven guys. Um, And I live in New York. Nobody gives a fuck about them. Nobody. Like, I have so many friends that are, like, (laughs) jumping out of their seats for this Knicks run. Like, the Knicks just played. We watched them. And, like, the stadium is insane. Like, people have Knicks fever. And nobody cares about the Nets whatsoever in New York. They, they, they certainly are the favorite. Like, lots of teams are picking them. They might win the title, all of this. And they're discounting tickets two days before the game to get people in the stadium. It's really wild. And I just, like, there isn't any comparison between them and, like, a Sixers. Like, the home court advantage would be absolutely, like, enormous. And not, I mean, the Sixers would have four home games to the next three. But, like, I think this just speaks to like the excitement level in Brooklyn. And of course, more people would be excited in the, in the uh, Eastern conference finals, but not like Philadelphia people who are like live and die with this team. Um, Emily, do you have any comment on the state of Brooklyn Nets fandom and like how funny it is? Well, it's very funny. I think that also should we report the Nets to the Better Business Bureau because James Harden is definitely not paying for the, that. Not. He's not covering it. That's no. that's a lie. That is false advertising. And <laughs> I feel like they should be reported. I, I, I just want like one video of like Harden and a fan and Harden's like reading them his Amex. And right. Like, like putting in the promo code. Like. <laughs> but I think... In the East, if it's Sixers Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals, it's going to be like the Sixers have seven home games because there's going to be more Sixers fans in Brooklyn because the tickets are potentially going to be cheaper than they are in Philadelphia, and it's not far. So it's like when Knicks fans come to Philly because the tickets are cheaper than going to the Garden. Like we're going to go to Brooklyn, and right. it's going to be great. Dan, what about you? Uh... Uh, you know, the Nets, the fans. It's part of it that I, I don't know if there are any Kevin Durant fans. Like, he's like an unquestioned, probably top five small forward of all time, and I don't know if he has any fans. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. Like, it's just, it's so funny. <laughs> Nobody cares. They are unbelievable. They have, and and it's not just like that they are the favorite to win, which they absolutely are, but they're not like, just some team that's really good and like a good team. Like these are players who have played all over the league who have been top players their whole careers. These are hall of famers still in their prime. Three of them, three of them. And nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. It's crazy. They can't sell out the stadium They're They can't sell it out. They can't sell out half capacity at the stadium. We, I mean, we, we have to take the trip up if we play in the Eastern Conference Finals, if, if both teams yeah. get there. I, I, can't, I can't believe it. I think it's, it's awesome. Um, it's, it's so funny. I, I, I wish I had, like, any real thoughts on it besides it's hilarious. But I, I'm not sure how much it actually impacts the game. I saw it. I think it was from um, your own Weissman tweeted this. But he was, he was saying, like, he has, like, this, this theory that basically the three of them, the, the three stars being – Kyrie, KD, and Harden are 
thrilled that no one cares because they don't have the media pressure that you get for playing for the Knicks, but they still get to live in New York, um, which is an interesting theory. I, I think it's kind of a bummer, personally. Like, if I were one of the very few Nets fans, I'd be kind of disappointed by the fact that no one cares that we're, we have all the – like, I'm not sure how many true Nets fans there are that have, like, for years just loved – these Nets, like, loved them in New Jersey, loved them in Brooklyn, is so glad they have these guys. I'm not sure how many people like that exist. But for those who do, and I'm sure there are, are plenty, this has to be so disappointing. And it's really funny. Um, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I wish I did. But Trill, a friend of the podcast, former guest, he has a tweet about, like, uh, like the day after the Nets win the title, hypothetically. And it's, like, a big thing of, like, the Knicks, and Julius Randle, like, signing an extension, and then, like, a footnote at the bottom that says, like, Nets win title in Game 7 mm-hmm. or something. That's, like, sort of what we're talking about. Um, last week, the finalists for the uh, uh, NBA awards were announced, and uh, the MVP finalists are Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Stephen Curry, and the Defensive Player of the Year finalists are Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, and Ben Simmons. Uh, how, what's your reaction to that? Do you think there's any sort of outside chance of an upset for, you know, the Sixers to take home those awards? Um, and what do you think it sort of represents in a, in a larger sense, Dan? Yeah. Um, I expected both of them to be finalists. I expected Ben to be finalists for defensive player of the year, Joel for MVP. Um, I think Ben has a better shot than Joel. I Probably wouldn't give it to either. I think I've kind of settled into thinking Gobert is deserving. I know that's not popular. Um, Ben's Ben's great though, and he's absolutely deserving of being in that top three. And and I think that narrative wise, there's a shot. So um, not not to say he's not deserving. Besides it, like I said, he's deserving the top three. But I think narrative wise, he has more of a shot. Um, I absolutely don't see Joel winning, which is sad. Um, ultimately, you know they're fun awards to care about. Um, but I think people forget about them pretty quick, maybe not MVP, but even so still kind of MVP, like these are going to be announced pretty like, are they're announced during the playoffs, I believe. Right. Or are they announced after, um, they're going to be announced at a point where they're going to be announced at a point where no one is thinking about anything other than competing for a title and the players who are still on the floor competing for a title. And, you know, if, if Jokic wins MVP, which I fully expect him to do, and I'm not going to argue against it. He's had a great year and he's out of the playoffs and Joel is, is battling in the Eastern conference finals or, you know, depending on when they're announced, because I forget, you know, or if, if the Sixers have made it significantly further in the playoffs, I think that's what people will remember more. Um, and I, I, maybe not years from now, right. years from now, people remember who is MVP, but in terms of, of starting off next season and, and who people are talking about, I think it's a, it's just a big deal to win in the playoffs. And I was, you know, all over these awards earlier in the year and I was thinking about them and, you know, I was all in on Joel for MVP, but at this point it's like, you know, it's so easy to say at the time, like, Oh, I just want to win a title. But it, 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 like, it's just something you say when it's, but it's like, it's January. You're obviously not thinking about that right now. Like you're, you know, I'm thinking about the awards. Uh, the, the title is not anything I can do anything about right now. I can't, the Sixers can't do anything about that until the playoffs, but the playoffs are here. 
So now it really is the time. Like I'm not even thinking about the awards. I've kind of discounted the Sixers winning any, and I'm, I'm, I almost don't care. Like I'm just, just win, win these playoff games. And, and that's, that's my focus. So I, I Googled it and what I was able to find out is basically TNT is going to announce the winners of the awards in the coming weeks, like before broadcast. Um, so, right. I thought they did it still during the season. Right. So like, right. Literally there'll be actual basketball on and no one will care. Unless we get a fun, like pissed off Embiid game where he goes off, which would be fun. Oh, that would um, rock. Yeah. To me, it's just more like patting ourselves on the back about the process and, you know, having two guys to be in that sort of conversation is super cool and like extremely well-deserved. Uh, I agree. I don't, I don't, expect either of them to win those awards i wish they would but um i think it's great emily uh what do you think about uh our guys in the top three of both of those yeah i agree that it's cool that we're in the conversation i think it's interesting um to have two big men in the conversation for mvp that hasn't happened in a while like there's been more of a focus on that like center position and then the same thing with Ben as a defensive player of the year nominee, there isn't that I find that the nominees are more often like down in the post, like center defenders and not really perimeter defenders like Ben. Um, maybe they are. I mean, I'm not, I don't like tune into defensive player of the year races that frequently. Um, but from what I remember, you know, Rudy's won it so many times. He's not really a perimeter defender like Ben. So I think it's just interesting to see other types of players get into these conversations and I think it goes to sh to, the, to what we were saying earlier about like the Sixers are kind of like a weird team like they work but they're doing these things and like getting these accolades for positions and people that wouldn't normally get them so um yeah um I agree with you um I wanted to go over some fun quotes from this week and get your uh Reactions to them and maybe another pop quiz here. Dan, who said this quote? Uh, this is at Sixers practice. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Oh, was that Tyrese Maxey? That was Tyrese Maxey. Well done. Kid came prepared. Um, Emily, who said this quote? Uh, this person, man or woman, compared Joel Embiid to Mufasa from The Lion King. Uh, and said, he ain't little Simba no more. He ready. Who said that? Um, Dwight Howard said that. And I'm wondering if he knows that Mufasa died in The Lion King. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He didn't bring up how Mufasa suffered a tragic death. But, you know, that's, we can. He's just a grown-up lion. Like, why couldn't he just be grown-up Simba? Why do you just that <laughs> Mufasa? But it's, it's okay. I get what he was going for. Everyone knows how it works. Once you're a kid and then you become your dad. That's how it works. <laughs> um, also, just a very sweet quote uh, before the game today. Uh, this is from Jackson Frank. He said that Doc Rivers says he talked to every player individually this week about why they're so valuable to the team and why their role is important. And in that vein, Dan, please give a compliment to Emily about her role on the podcast. Oh, um, well, Emily's awesome. The podcast would suck without Emily. I don't know. I, I mean, what else do what else you say besides that? It would be kind of a bummer if she wasn't here. So <laughs> that was very good. And Emily, I'd like you to respond to Dan in kind, please. 
Dan, that was really nice. And I will say Dan knows a lot about basketball way more than I do. Um, especially, well, that's definitely not true, but thank you. <laughs> especially like plays and matchups. And I learned from him and he is great on the podcast. Love thank it. You. Good stuff, gang. Um, the, uh, the last thing we can do before we, we like get out of here. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, Steve does the talking. He's the funny one. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. All right. <laughs> Give me your thoughts. Do you guys have any takes on the other series that are happening right now? Um, I'm trying to think. You know, the, the freshest one in my mind is the Hawks-Knicks, which was just looked like a great atmosphere at uh, Madison Square Garden. And Trey Young hit a pretty great floater and, and very cool moment hushing the crowd. Um, what else? The Bucks. Do you guys like Trey Young? I don't know. He, I don't like I, his I hair, know. but I, I don't. Hair. I think he's a good player. Oh, can I? I also want to amend my compliment. I wish I had more time to think. I also want to add on that Emily, the fact that she goes to all the games is very cool, and I love hearing what goes on at the game from first person perspective. Thanks. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, and, and watching the Hawks just sort of made me think that like, well, I guess they would try to put Trey Young on Seth Curry, but I, if I was the Sixers playing against the Hawks, you would just have to find a way to get him onto anybody else and just like force them to either double or to like concede two points. Cause I don't know how he would really stay on the court against us, but he's a really good offensive player. Um, what else? The Blazers beat the Nuggets. The uh, the Bucks got that win against the Heat. Um, Jimmy Butler hit a buzzer beater to send it to overtime. Emily, anything on the other series that are happening right now? Um, I want the Blazers to win. I want the the Suns to win. They also won today, which was fun. Um, yeah. I like that these other games are going into overtime too. Like, put more wear and tear on these guys' legs. Like, get them more tired. Go to seven. Be tired. We'll see you. You know, after yeah. four. The Suns' win was cool. Uh, Devin Booker was great. Very cool to see mm -hmm. him. And and friend of the show, Srikar. I hope that that goes well. Um, Dan, what about you? Anything else on the other series around the league? Yeah, I mean, I think right now the three most interesting series to me would be Bucks Heat, um, the Suns and Lakers, and obviously the Hawks and Knicks because we played the winner of that series. Um, I thought Randall was just awful today. Yeah, he uh, was. I've never been a huge Randall guy, but he really impressed me this year. Uh, it's hilarious that he's basically getting more first team, all NBA first team votes than Embiid from the media people who have you know, given their votes publicly. It's just like Randall on a great game is basically like a, a great, great Randall game is basically scoring in B's average and not right. doing anything else as well. It's, it's unbelievable. I, it's, I, oh my gosh, that, that makes me so mad, but I still thought the Knicks would actually, you know, I think the Knicks beat the Hawks 3-0 in the regular season. So I was a little surprised that the Hawks really controlled game one for the most part. Uh, I still expect the Knicks to win. I kind of think we'll play the Knicks, but I'd rather play the Hawks. So um, if it weren't for me betting on the Knicks, I'd say go Hawks. Um, <laughs> I'll say go Hawks anyway. Uh, the Suns, I put, I thought it'd be a close series Lakers in seven I took, but I almost, after seeing game one, the Suns really impressed me. I might 
switch to the Suns. And then I, I do think the Bucks handled it will handle the heat, but it's interesting to keep an eye on. Cause I, I kind of think the heat, the heat are in their heads, which is really fun. Yeah. The heat, it's, it's this other sort of like unbelievable in his own way. And I'm, I think they have zero fear of the Bucks. And I think that, you know, like they went to overtime and barely lost to them in a game where Jimmy and Bam didn't even play well. Um, so I, if you're them, I think you take that as an encouraging thing, but, uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see Giannis taking more than 10 seconds on that free throw and them calling it in that situation was pretty wild. I was like, of all that times, was awesome. it was so funny. And it's like, how the next time you're shooting a free throw, how are you not just thinking, oh my God, how many seconds has it been? Like, and then he started missing him too. You could tell he was in his own head. It was like, yeah, yeah he was, he was counting. Um, and we should say congratulations, Netherlands Noel having a great playoff game. He did go out towards the end of the game. I hope he's all right. But he's like playing great. Alec Burks, former Sixer, playing great as well. Both about to get paid. So uh, very cool. Anything else from either of you before we get out of here? Um, well, uh, we'll be back with you after either post game on Wednesday or Thursday morning, somewhere in there. Um, to talk about game two. Uh, very excited about it. Good to see you both. Uh, Emily, enjoy the rest of your trip. Good night, Jordy. I have to say that as uh, <laughs> he's probably fast asleep by now. Um, yeah, that's it. Good to see you guys. Bye, guys. Yeah. See you soon. See ya. <laughs>